Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Nicely done, Brandon. A little Bob Cajun for you. Oilers Now where guests receive your certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply serving a night in the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. We are going to head off to the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline, and we are pleased to be joined right now by the Oilers' uh, Director of Player Personnel and amateur, amateur Scouting Director. We welcome back to the show, Tyler Wright. Hello, Tyler. How are you doing? Good, Bob. How are you? Good. Hey, uh, before we get to your picks and the draft that was and your excitement seeing some of the prospects at development camp, um, did you see a sudden uptick in text messages that you were getting uh, during the uh, draft on Thursday night after uh, Pierre uh, Maguire said you were the quote-unquote best interview ever that he ever did? Yeah, yeah. I wasn't quite sure what I was, where it was going. I, you know, it was around pick four or five, and my phone started blowing up, and I didn't. I kind of felt like I was getting traded or something like that back in the day. But uh, no, I mean, I guess he said some nice stuff uh, about me. But um, you know, I kind of was hoping that I was getting the optics that you know I shaved probably in the first time since the pandemic had started. So a lot of people thought that I had lost some weight. So I was. I, w- I was a little bit more excited about that. There you go. Uh, now, he was he with Hartford at that time when he inter- interviewed you? Pittsburgh. He was with Pittsburgh at that time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what, what, so as a guy who apparently interviews really well, uh, what are the keys to being a good? Because uh, I've never done a great interview. Uh, I've neither given a good interview nor ever done a good one back. What are the keys to success for excelling in the interview process? Well, it's a great question. If I could remember that long ago, uh, you know, but yeah, at the end of the day, you know, I, I'm, I'm a young kid from, you know, northern Saskatchewan, you know, trying to live out my dream. And, you know, it's it's hockey or nothing. Uh, you know, at that point, uh, there's no fallback position. Um, you know, they they asked, you know, what would you do to, to make it in, you know, in the National Hockey League? And it was basically, you know, whatever I had to take to do. Um, there there was no, you know, let's go back and, you know, work on the farm or, or do whatever you want. So um, just try to be honest and, you know, try to 
put my you know my my passion and my will to to win and and to do whatever it takes to help the team win was kind of the the one thing that I always relied on and it was actually at the end of the day when I look back in your career it's it's probably the one thing that they kept you in the league for that long yeah absolutely Tyler Wright joining us right now in Oilers he was a first round pick of Edmonton way back in 1991 uh, you were not the focal point of that draft as I recall there was a guy named Eric Lindros that was pretty interesting to watch all right that's uh that's uh and, and by the way speaking of doing any, I remember watching the blue gray classic uh, Tyler as you know I'm a college football fan and it was the best players that weren't playing in bowl games, okay? And yep. they had they interviewed a guy, and, and they asked the guy, what do you want, you know, what will you be willing to do to play in the National Football League? And the guy said, I would block punts in the nude to play in the NFL. And I stole that line and said, block, block slap shots in the nude to work in the National Hockey League. But I, I think that's kind of what you're referencing, is you have to have that level of commitment. So let's get to it. Um, Reed Schaefer. I loved him. I was tempted to text you uh, during the draft, but the last time I did that, uh, somebody didn't listen to me on Brendan Gallagher. Not that I'm harboring any ill resentment, Stu McGregor, 12 years later. Uh, But with all seriousness, uh, Reed Schaefer, I love the pick. To me, he's a bit of a unicorn. What did you guys like about Reed Schaefer? Well, there was a lot, obviously. Um, You know, we... We obviously, you know, were originally picking a 29. Obviously, we went we went back to to 32 in the trade. Um, but even at 29, you know, he was still a target for us. Uh, as there were, you know, a couple other other guys. Um, you know, he had a big playoff run, so he wasn't at the combine. We ended up bringing him late. Uh, I wanted to bring him in late Wednesday night. Um, he was a little bit of a hot commodity at, at the draft as far as interviews because he didn't show up at the combine. So, I mean, your area guys and, and stuff like that, you know, they do their due diligence during the course of the year. and and But, you know, now that everything was said and done as far as their season and, you know, his – um, you know, his stats and, you know, the success that he had, it was a, a chance for us to, I don't want to say grill him, but uh, to really, you know, have candid conversations. What are you going to be? How are you going to work? Do all that stuff. So I think we were the eighth or ninth team on, on Wednesday, and I wanted to kind of be last at the party and, you know, kind of gauge to see who who he did talk to. And, you know, you're just, you're, you're information gatherers. You're, you're trying to gain as much information as you can, and, and you're trying to paint a picture of how this draft's going to unfold. And, you know, we kind of think that he's a late bloomer. Like you said, he, you know, I mean, he played 17, uh, uh, 18 games last year, kind of in that abbreviated pandemic bubble, um, didn't score a goal. You know, so he goes in this year as a late birthday. Um, you know, he's a big kid. You know, almost six foot four, two hundred and eighteen pounds. And you know, I mean, all of a sudden he shows up. He scores thirty two goals. He has a great playoff run. Uh, I think he has twenty one points in like twenty five games. Our team go, uh, goes to the you know WHL championship games, uh, and he was a big part of it. So you know, he's he's a big winger. He's uh, he plays physical. He goes to the the hard areas in the paint he stays there he pays the price uh he kills penalties um i think he's got a little bit of rated um you know hockey sense and skill and we asked him you know kind of the last question um that we said you know what was what would be one of the most underrated things that people don't talk about and he said my skill and and my hockey sense and you know we had talked at length during the course of the week about it um you know but at the end of the day he's you know, he's 
you know, he's one of those guys that goes into the, um, you know, the pool of kids that, you know, he fills an element. He's he's a big body guy, and um, you know, we're excited where we got him, and that we got to give him every resource possible to be able to be an NHL player. We're joined by Tyler Wright. He's director of Oilers Amateur Scouting. All right, Tyler, I'm going to spin this a bit because I didn't know this until about two weeks ago. Uh, I thought all these years Don Boyd, who was based in London, drafted Josh Anderson. He didn't. He was gone by then, and I had this conversation with Scott Housen. You, you, and you can educate us here. Were you the guy that kind of drilled down on Josh Anderson in the fourth round and campaigned hard for him in that draft year? Yeah, you mean, we're a team. Um, you know I mean, I don't like to be the guy that sits there and says, oh, I, I drafted him. I mean, I drafted him as a team, but it, we got into a heated discussion and at the table and, you know, we were kind of split on who was going to take who. And obviously Scott was, you know, the general manager at the time. And I, you know, I put my foot down and I, I said, you know what, we're going to go with the bigger body. And, um, you know, I won the, I won, I won the debate and you don't win every debate. You know, it's early on in my career, you know, starting out, you don't win every fight. Um, meaning not fight verbal fight, but you know, the disagreement and you I mean, you, you got to go about it the right way. You, you can't be disrespectful. You, you mean guys have opinions and you're not always right. So, but at the end of the day, it, it worked out. Uh, we ended up getting them in the fourth round and, um, I see a lot of similarities in you know in shape as as I did with Josh Anderson. Yeah, and that's I guess you know, and the difference is I don't think Anderson was coming off a 32 goal season. The thing that I noticed with uh, Schaefer is you talked about him going to the front of the net and staying there. Like he was, he was in the grill of you know guys like Caden uh, Gooley and uh, you know Simon Kubasek who led the league in penalty minutes this year for the Edmonton Oil Kings like he's got a real edge to him and I'm wondering like Tyler there's way less of that now than ever before isn't there well absolutely and you know as players and I continue to try to tell these players if you're not going to be on the power play and you're not going to put up high offensive numbers you've got to find a way internally within yourself how can you commit or how can you contribute to a score sheet in a good positive way and it's all the small intangibles it's it's maybe being good on face-offs maybe it's blocking shots maybe it's it's drawing a penalty to get your team on the power play because your power play is running at 30 percent and doing all those little things maybe it's going after some of the better players and trying to get them off their game um it's all those intangibles i think that you know, that we're trying to educate these, you know, the bottom six or whoever they are, um, you know, people that you've, you've got to find a way to make yourself very valuable to the team and still work in your way to wait for an opportunity to maybe move up the lineup. And um, he's already doing that at, at the Western Hockey League level. So um, all those intangibles were really, I would use the word sexy for us, um, you know, we're kind of in the stage of where we are in the in this, you know, where we're building the Edmonton Oilers and the future of the Oilers, um, where we got to start drafting maybe a little bit different elements. And, um, you know, we kind of fits the bill a little bit where the direction that we thought we needed to go. 
All right. Well, uh, by the way, I looked it up. Josh Anderson had 12 goals a year. You drafted him in the fourth round. 32 for Reed Schaefer. All right. The other three picks, and I'll be honest, Tyler, Tyler? I, didn't see, I didn't see any of them play that I know of. Uh, Samuel Janssen, the goaltender out of Sweden, loved the fact that you took a swing on a goalie late. What do you know about this guy? Yeah, big guy, uh, really mobile. Um, you know, he was in Brinus this year. Um, you know, he's moving. He's moving this year. He's going to go play in Rogla, uh, which is you know the Abbott brothers have developed a really good program over the last four or five years, or however many years that that they've been running it. Um, so he's going to a really good program where they're where they're developing players. Uh, we were really excited about that part of. Of it, you know, he's he's another big body guy that, uh, you know, it's. I mean, goaltenders are tough. I mean, we all know it. So, um, and I've taken my fair share and in, in swings at him. So it's just another guy that we, we're getting into the pool and we're going to try to develop and and he can be you know, part of the solution going forward. Well, you guys, when you were in Columbus that same year with Anderson, you guys took Dansk in the second round and got Corpus Salo later and thought Dansk was going to be the goalie of the future, and it turned out to be Corpus Salo. Uh, Nikita, is it Yevseev? Is that how you pronounce his name? Yevseev, yeah. Okay. Uh, early reports, he's got a bit of nastiness to his game? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I give Alex a lot of credit. He's He's been harping and... Uh, Alex Noroffs, our, our Russian scout, he's been very passionate about this young man for um, all year. Right from you know we had midterm meetings in um, in January, he was saying I really want to draft this guy. And then when we had our final end of the year meetings, um, he wanted to push this guy. And it's another element. He's a big body. He's bigger than people think. He's six three, um, but he plays with a real good edge and. Um, again, it goes to, you know, what you said earlier. I mean, those guys are kind of hard to find. So, you know, in the sixth round, we said, you know, Alex wasn't quite sure if he thought that he was going to be there. I personally haven't seen him play live this year, obviously with the way, uh, you know, it's kind of been with, with Russia, but, you know, extensive video work on him. You know, Alex had seen him, um, you know, multiple times in live viewing. So we thought it was worth uh, worth the risk at that time. Well, and we're talking about a six-round pick. In the seventh round, uh, you took – I actually got a couple guys reaching out to me on Twitter. They're like, why would you take a guy with three goals uh, in Vermont? Uh, and that's Joel Motti. He's a, Swedish, or a Finnish player uh, out of Helsinki. And he, you know, he's a seventh-round pick, 222nd overall. Is part of this because he's drafted in the NCAA? First of all, you can tell us about the player. And then the second question is, you just get a hold on to the guy as property longer because he's gone the route that he has. Yeah, it's a, I mean, I think you're right on both parts. Um, I mean, he played at the World Junior Team this year with with Team Finland, and you know, in the shortened tournament that they had, um, we were kind of on to him before that. And I think he ended up with two or three goals in, you know, the two or three games that he that he did play. Um, obviously, we got a relationship with with Todd Woodcroft as is the head coach in Vermont. Um, who's obviously the brother of Jay Woodcroft, uh, who is our head coach, obviously. So uh, lots of, you know, in-depth details. Um, and he loves the kid. He swore by him. Um, you know, they're in a rebuilding. They're getting their program going there in Vermont. So, I, I mean, you can play stats and look at all you want. I think at the end of the day, he's, you know, he's six foot two. Uh, he's very good on the face-off circle. Uh, he's got great leadership qualities. Can be one of the captains there. 
And like you said, when you draft a kid out of the NCAA, you you hold on to their rights for a little bit longer. And, um, you know, we're talking in the seventh round. We Another guy that we thought we'd try to fill a dimension with. All right, uh, Tyler, the final one, I'm, I'm, I'll make a comment and then get you just, just to talk about your excitement level with some of these guys. I, I hear all the time about the sheer genius of the Maple Leafs organization. So I did a little thing yesterday and looked at the last four years worth of first-rounders, and the Leafs have traded three of their first-rounders away in the last uh, four years, including uh, trading away one for a rental, and, who they did not sign, and one uh, in a uh, you know a salary cap dump uh, to Detroit here, moving out of the first round. They've got one prospect who, ironically enough, uh, they got in a year in which they also traded their own number one to get rid of uh, Marlowe. Uh, you guys have got Broberg, Holloway, Borgo, and Schaefer in the last four years, four number ones. Yes, you don't have, you know, you've moved some second-round picks um, and those sort of things, but what's your sense of excitement at the development camp? I know that Schaefer and Borgo were there, and then also watching the progression of Broberg and Holloway. As the guy who's responsible for drafting the players, and you didn't, you drafted Holloway, you drafted Borgo and Schaefer, they're all your picks. Uh, you just came over after the Oilers took Broberg. But where are you at knowing that you've got four first-rounders coming into the organization here over the next couple of years? Yeah, you you know how it is, Bob. You, you've got to draft. You got to develop. You have to have kids come in and play. I, I'd say kids, young men, come in and play significant roles um, on entry level contracts. And um, you know, I mean, Holloway gets in in the you know in the conference final. Didn't play a ton, but you know he's he's skating around in the in the game. You know, you look at the progression with Broberg this year. Um, you know, comes up and plays his first game in Las Vegas. I think he played 22 plus minutes at that time in November. Um, and then the progression, he's a six foot three guy that can skate. Um, and then, you know, Holloway obviously had got derailed a little bit with a wrist injury, but, you know, he went down, he, he started coming, um, put in some really good time and effort, um, you know, obviously getting in, into the conference final, Borgo, um, you know, we go back, we get an extra third, we take Munsonberger, um, and then you see the progression that Borgo, you know, had this year taking his team to win the, the Quebec Major Junior, going into the, um, you know, making the Canadian World Junior team and then going to the Memorial Cup. You know, I mean, all that stuff is really important development pieces as far as, you know, learning to win. And, and sometimes it's learning to lose and, 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 you know, sometimes it stings, but you're you, you're in that feeling, and and you you don't like it, and you want to progress. We're in the winning business, obviously, and the more that these young men can be exposed to um, and learn from that, they're better off as a player and a person. And um, I mean, obviously, with with Reed, um, you know, same thing, down in all three series and fighting ways back, you know, to beat Portland, to beat Kamloops. Um, you know, they, they, they hung in there with Edmonton, but came up short, obviously. Um, and he had a good year. So all that's been real important. I'm really excited with all three of them. We still have to draft where we still have to develop and give them the resources to make sure they're ready. But I'm excited about them because, um, when you're building this thing through a salary cap world, you you need young players to play significant parts on entry-level contracts. All right, final question for Edmonton Oilers Director of Amateur Scouting, Tyler Wright. Tyler, today was the opening day of development camp. 
Uh, we talked a bit about a couple of first rounders that were out there. Were there were there a couple other guys that maybe aren't much heralded that sort of caught your eye a little bit? Um, well, Metya Petrov obviously had a great year in North Bay. Um, you know, big six foot three scoring winger had a tremendous year, and just to see the growth, just personally, not even on the ice. It, you know, it's you know fully you know. Um, speaking English, interacting, you know, with his, you know, the colleagues here and his teammates, um, you know, a completely different person off the ice, obviously on, on ice, uh, really excited about the progression that he had and how he made the jump from, you know, Russia into the CHL. Um, I think one of the biggest, not, I don't want to say surprises, but the biggest movers for me in, in terms of development and growth has been our seventh round pick last year, Max Warner. Um, you know, in Moose Jaw, he's he's you know he's a six foot four defenseman. Uh, he plays very physical, shoots right. Um, I'm not sure exactly what his stats were. I think he was five and twenty five or something like that in uh, in Moose Jaw. Um, I think he was well, sorry six and seventeen. I'm just looking at you know he had nine games in the playoffs. He had three and four, but he's a hard player to play against. Big body that's really mobile. He took a really big step for us this year, and I was really really impressed with with what he's done and um, just gives us you know this is the first development camp that we've had in three years so and it's the first session that they've been on so we're trying to keep evaluations a little bit you know I don't want to say down but let's just keep them in reality here a little bit and make sure that we use this as more of an educational tool learn how to be a pro learn how to you know take care of your your body your eat your sleep your nutrition all that stuff you know social media training all all that sort of stuff so uh it's exciting time for the organization to see all these young men come in here and um you know we got some invites both on the college side free agency uh we got some kids through the chl as, as well where you know when you don't have a ton of picks like we didn't have this year we've got to try to get creative in other ways to to bring some guys in give them an opportunity see if they can earn a contract Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Tyler, great stuff. Appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us on Oilers okay, Now. Thanks, thanks a lot, thanks, Bob. Yep, you bet. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. Brendan, uh, I referenced the fact that tweet I put out yesterday, which got a fair amount of play, uh, high engagement level. Just talking about the fact that Maple Leafs have only had one first rounder in the last four years, and that was actually one that they acquired from the Pittsburgh Penguins when they sent Kapanen there in a complicated deal. Uh, the Leafs, over the last four years, uh, they, they traded a number one for Jake Muzzin. Uh, they gave up Jersey and Grunstrom in that deal and 
a good uh, and the number one. So I'd say LA did pretty good in that trade. They traded a number one for Carolina to take the last year of Marlowe's contract, $4 million in real dollars. Then they traded Kapanen for a number one. That turned out to be the Russian, Rodian uh, Amarov. And then they traded a uh, number one for Nick Foligno a year ago uh, just at the deadline. He didn't sign with them. And then this year they traded a number one to take Mrazek with two years left in his deal. Uh, and they dropped out of the first round. So they've only had one first-round pick, and they actually gave up a, a pretty good asset to get that first-round pick. The Oilers have Broberg from 2019, Holloway from 2020, Borgo from 2021, and now uh, a late first-round pick because they've finished in the Final Four. By the way, the Leafs have just... This is where I remind you, they haven't won a playoff series since Austin Matthews was six. Everybody always talks... Like, we got all these analytics types out of Toronto about the sheer brilliance of... Uh, you know, Kyle Dubas, and I think Kyle is a competent GM, but they don't have any of their own number one picks, and the Oilers do. Does that bode well for Edmonton carrying forward here? This is the thing is they haven't had to spend at their or or they haven't spent prematurely at the trade deadline to get these rentals that cost you these first round picks. So uh, the the drop off when their window closes, I think, is going to be absolutely catastrophic for Toronto. And here you're you're prolonging the window. I mean, you're, there's nothing wrong with developing your own prospects. That's sort of how they preach getting to a spot like Tampa is at right now, for example. So I think it's huge what Ken Holland's been able to do in and just, again, holding off and not spending those assets. Think of all the criticism in oil country, and much of it justified in the Andreas Athanasiu trade. Two number twos for Athanasiu, right? Like, I would say that trade, if we thought the cap was going to be $90 million, was a risky trade. Well, the cap froze because of the pandemic at 81 and a half, and the Oilers didn't double down and qualify him, right? They didn't double down, and they're like, you know what? We, we got to move on here. The, the trade for Cassian, okay, they signed him to a deal. They didn't want to buy him out. They didn't want the dead cap space. So they moved down three spots in the draft and threw in a second and third in different years, in different years. They still have their they have their first, all their first for the next three years. Colorado traded away, no, Colorado's won the cup, but they've traded away 11 picks in a three-year window. They didn't have a pick in the first five round, rounds this year. I'm Like, if it's me... I'd trade the second all day next year if I'm the Edmonton Oilers at the deadline. But I think I'd hold on to my first-round pick. First-round picks? Am I out to lunch on this, or is there something to it? You tell us. Text us at 780-496-0063. Bob Stoffer and Brendan Escott with you. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Back with John Shannon, our NHL insider for Legacy Heating and Cooling, when we return. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.